0: Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time in episode 38, we're going to talk about obscure van tips. That is, tips that kind of don't fit anywhere else. We're also going to talk about a sleeping option that you may not have considered, hammocks. We'll have a tale from the road involving a burning highway... And we're going to do a product review of a very special drill bit that can save your butt. Welcome back, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in or clicking a button or pressing play or saying... Alexa, play Built to Go, or whatever you did to be hearing me now. I appreciate it, and I'm glad you're there. A few announcements. I release these episodes on Wednesday, so I don't know what day you're listening to this, but the Saturday following the Wednesday that this episode is released, I'm going to release a bonus episode that's kind of like a DVD extra. It's not an episode about van life. It doesn't follow the format. What it is, is the long promised interview with Simon Wagg about the music of the podcast. And the music will be played in its entirety. And we will talk with Simon about how he did the music and what inspired him and all that kind of stuff. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, look for an extra episode on Saturday. But if you're not interested in the music at all, that's totally fine. Just skip that one. You're not missing anything. I'm going to release an episode every Wednesday, and it's not taking away from one. So that'll be coming this Saturday. Also, I'm planning a trip, and I need your help. Uh, I'm going to do a special kind of a trip. This one is going to be a trip where I get in my van and drive, and you, you, you tell me where to go. I'm going to let you and all the other folks and all the social media lands Tell Me Where to Go. It's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, except there's no novel, and you're going to be choosing my adventure. But I will share that adventure with you. I will post some live video streams as it's appropriate, pictures, and maybe this will turn into a YouTube project that, who knows, could end up turning into a built-to-go YouTube channel. Anything's possible. So the way it'll work is I'm going to release polls on all the social media platforms, which for me, being an old guy, is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Those are the three that I am actually on. And I will have links to all those social medias in this week's show notes. If you're not linked up with me, you're you're certainly welcome to be. And then based on the poll results, I will go to where it says. So we'll start off with some big things, like I need a place to start, right? So maybe it'll be four different cities, or four different states, or four different sets of coordinates, I don't know, something like that. And then every single time I make a move, it'll be something like turn left, or turn right, or go straight, or go backwards, or drive to the nearest tall building or get out of the van and walk a hundred feet to your left or whatever it might be and the idea here is that there is something interesting to be found everywhere and you guys are going to help me find those things and then i'm going to share them with you so i think this will be fun i hope it's fun for you guys too the last trip i took i did a lot of live streaming when i was up in north dakota and people seemed to really like that on facebook I haven't figured out how I'm going to live stream across all the social media platforms. I might use YouTube for that, maybe? I don't know if I can. I have to figure all that out. But anyway, that's the plan. That's the announcement. And uh, look for that in the next few weeks. I'm not exactly sure the dates I'm going to do that. All that said, let's get into the obscure van tips. I just had a bunch of these cool little ideas and things I picked up that I thought might be fun to stick together in one big list. And as I've said before, I like lists. So maybe there's an idea in here that will resonate with you and maybe solve a problem you have or solve a problem you didn't know you had. Number one, install some red lights in your van. So here's the thinking here. If you have red lights in your van, this is not a myth. This actually does work. If you have red lights at night, it does open your pupils wider and allows you to see better in the dark. That's a good thing. So if you were going to do say an astronomy trip where dark was really important, having red lights and only red lights would be very good idea because it would be enough light for you to see to like do stuff in the van, but it wouldn't mess up anyone's vision. The other thing it's good for is a little bit of stealth. If you have a red light on in the van, even if some of that light leaks around your curtains or through your windows or whatever, people aren't going to recognize it as light. Because generally where vans are, there's traffic, there are red lights all over the place, and it's going to look just like a reflection. Now, there's a really cheap way to do this, and that is to get LED strip lights that come with a remote that you can change it to whatever color you want. And I think that's the best solution. What I have is LED light strips, it came with three of them, and I have one on each side of the van and then one in the back, and the remote control lets me set it to whatever color I want, and I think it was $18? I mean, we're not talking about something expensive here. Now, I can have them set on white lights, and then they're kind of my like my nighttime accent lights. It's actually enough light that if it's near bedtime, I can see everything I need to. Then I also have the red mode, but it does, you know, it'll do the rainbow effects. You can have it bounce to music and all that stuff if you're interested in that. For me, I just want the white and red. Hey, $18 bucks does not use very much power at all. In fact, it uses so little power that my backup battery doesn't even sense that any power is being used, and it shuts itself off, which is a problem. But I'll have a link in the show notes to the one I got, but these are these are not hard to find. You can get them at auto parts stores and whatever. It's a really good... Low-power, flexible solution for all kinds of lighting needs. Number two, your front seats can be a bed. Now, I don't mean you fold them down, like you don't recline in them and turn them into a bed. You can certainly do that, too. But I mean, you can make them an extra sleeping area. And here's how I discovered this. First off, there are YouTube videos of people who have done this, but in my NV200, which is a very narrow van, NV200s are meant to be used in the city, and that makes them narrow. It, if you compare the width of an NV200 to, say, the width of a ProMaster, there's like a whole foot of space different. It's it's a big difference. And that means that side to side, my van, well, between the wheel wells, it's 48 inches, and then from wall to wall, it's 54 inches. Now I am 72 inches, so you know there's no chance of me sleeping side to side, but my wife, my wife fits. And so what we did was we found a very stiff piece of foam that folds up, it's like a child's bed from Ikea. It's a mat that folds out on the floor and then it'll turn into a bed or a chair or whatever. We can lay that across the front seats and my wife can sleep up there and it's like she has her own bedroom. I have mine in the back and she has hers in the front. And that doesn't mean we're not getting along, that just means that this van, an NV200, was built for one person. When I built this van, it it was meant for me, and I thought that when I went camping with my wife, we would take our trailer tent with us and we'd use that, but it turns out we don't have to. We can both fit in the van. So, of course, this depends on your van and your configuration, and then you've got somebody up front, so you've got windows to deal with, you've got all that stuff, but... You may have just discovered that you have space for a guest to sleep over, and that's a pretty cool thing. Number three, a tarp or a sheet or a shower curtain is an awning. If you get a professional awning, they're very expensive. Some of them can cost up to $1,000 if they do fancy things like open automatically and all that. And of course, the nicest ones are the ones that don't have any poles. They just come out of the side on this kind of a scissor mechanism and hang out there. Those are great, but they've got two problems. One is they're expensive. The other is that they're not that stealth. Any kind of awning you have permanently attached to your van is going to be obviously part of a camper. But you can make an awning out of almost any type of big flat cloth. In fact, you don't even have to pack poles depending on where you're going. If you're going into the woods, that tarp Could easily be tied to your roof rack or any other part of your roof and then tied off on trees, and boom, instant awning. Or a shower curtain, or even a bed sheet. Any of those things will work. Basically, we're talking about a zero cost option here that will give you the effects of an awning outdoors. No, it's not going to be as nice, but so what? It's free, and maybe you don't do it very often, or maybe you use tarps for more than one thing, or maybe you have two sets of sheets and you're okay with flying one out there. Whatever your case may be, just think of that. An awning does not have to be permanently attached to your van. There are other ways to do it, up to and including cutting down some trees and making poles out of them. Or you can actually buy sets of aluminum tent poles separate from tents, and you can figure that out too. But consider that idea. I think it's pretty cool. Number four, wireless cameras can provide security if placed away from the van. Now let me explain this. I recently purchased a hunting camera. Uh, I, I don't hunt, but these cameras are the kind you, they're called game cameras or whatever, and you stick them out in the woods and they shoot out these infrared beams and then if a deer or whatever walks by, it takes a picture and a video of them. It's supposed to show if that's a good hunting ground or not, I guess. I don't know. That's not why I bought it. I just like taking pictures of the animals. But I realized that this thing's kind of camouflaged and I can hide it in the bushes. And if I hide it in the bushes and then aim it at my van, I've got a big, huge wide angle view of my van all night long. Now, the model I got did not have any kind of Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. I can't like log into it with my phone, but there are many cameras that do, including ring cameras. If they sell a camera that you just attach to the outside of your house. It's not a doorbell or anything. If you got one of those You could just hide it in the bushes, looking at your van, and then log in anytime you wanted from inside the van and see your van and anybody who happened to be around it. The advantages of this over having cameras installed on your van is that you get a much wider view and you don't have to install anything on your van. Now, yes, you have to worry about if somebody finds the camera, they can steal it, or you might forget about it and leave it behind. Sure, you've got to deal with that stuff. But other than that, these things charge on USB. It would be completely reasonable to do this. And you will need a Wi Fi connection. You've got that to deal with. That's a little bit of a problem. But it's doable. It's an interesting idea. And I think it's probably the simplest way to add video security to your van. Number five. I stole this one from the camping community. Specifically, I believe this was invented by the people who hiked the Appalachian Trail. And it's called sacred socks. Very simple concept. No matter what you do during the day, no matter how wet you get or muddy or sweaty or anything, you are going to have a pair of socks that is reserved for one thing and one thing only. And that one thing is sleeping. You can get filthy dirty all day long, but you're going to have clean socks to sleep in. It's your gift to yourself. And also it's part of a ritual that will get you ready for sleep. And you might find that it actually helps you sleep better. A lot of people will keep them in their sleeping bag or they'll hang them up in a special place so they can dry during the day or whatever, but they will never wear them out of the van. They will never wear them under their boots. They're only to be worn while sleeping. And you can apply this to a whole bunch of different things regarding sleeping because sleep rituals can actually be important, especially if you're sleeping in a strange place. A lot of first-time van people will find that it takes a while to get used to sleeping in the van. I know that when I go out my first night, I I don't sleep well at all. It takes me about three nights to get used to sleeping there again, but the rituals help. So, Sacred Socks, a fun idea. Number six, when you're building your van and you need space to put a tank or something like that, you don't know where to put it, consider that you may not actually need a spare tire. Let's go back in time here. It used to be that cars didn't come with one, but they came with two spare tires because tires were so crappy that they popped fairly often and you'd have to replace them. That was normal. But tires have improved so much now, you generally don't have to repair them or swap them out with your spare as often as you used to. In fact, my wife's car, a Scion IQ, doesn't even come with a spare tire doesn't have one. And when I owned a smart car, also no spare tire. And it was never a problem. So another thing to think about is if you have a big van, those tires can be heavy. You may not actually be able to change your own tire. So it's more important to have a tire repair kit, which I've talked about a lot. You want a tire repair kit and an air compressor, something to pump up the tires, if you do not have a spare tire. But taking that spare tire away, you've removed a whole bunch of weight, and you've left a great, perfect mounting spot for a tank. In fact, they make propane tanks that are exactly the right thing to fit up in there, as one example. You can have a water tank, you can have a waste tank, you could have some sort of a trunk where you were storing stuff. It's just something to consider. I don't think spare tires are as important as they used to be. If you're going to go off road, I highly recommend you don't do this, but if you're going to stay on interstates most of the time or where you can call AAA and get help, you probably don't need to have a spare tire. Okay. Number seven, here's a concept that you may not have heard of, but you really need to hear of it. It's called the little free library. Now what these are, are boxes that people set up that are filled with books. And you're invited to take a book and you own it. It's as simple as that. They're all over the country. In fact, I have one in my yard and there's all kinds of books in there, books for kids, books for adults, everything you can imagine. You never know what you're going to find in one of these boxes. And there's thousands of them. They are everywhere. So if you're looking for something to read while you're on the road and exploring, why not stop by a little free library? Maybe donate any books you have that you're done with and then pick up a new book. And you can find these at littlefreelibrary.org. I'll have a link in the show notes, but they have a big map and you can search where you are and find them. And I know in my neighborhood of Chicago, there are three within walking distance. So they're very common and sometimes you find really cool stuff. Also, the designs of the Little Free Libraries can be very cute. So it's just a fun little thing to do whenever you go to a town. Check out the libraries and see what you see. Number eight, an extension cord can be all you need for shore power. Now, when people are building out vans, if you watch on YouTube, the really nice professional builds, they will typically install a way to have shore power, which is just a way to plug in and use your household current inside your van, usually at campgrounds or maybe in your driveway or whatever. And oftentimes they'll install this little box with a door that opens and this big plug and you plug it in there and then the stuff is powered in the van and sometimes there's a battery charger and there's USB chargers and all that stuff. It's great. These are wonderful, but they're expensive and they require space and you have to know what you're doing because if you do this wrong, well, yeah, you can kind of die and set your van on fire and stuff like that, which isn't so great. But here's another option and it's what I do. I just bring an extension cord with me. I have a flat three-prong extension cord, fairly heavy duty. And when I need shore power, or when I am at a campground, which is very rarely, but I want to actually plug stuff in, I just run the extension cord out of the van and plug it into the pole. And then the extension cord comes in through the sliding door, which I carefully close. The cord is embedded in the rubber molding. It's not harmed in any way. And it's fine. I have a power strip in there. I plug that into the extension cord, and then my little 4-amp battery charger works. And I have a fan that I can use that won't use the batteries. And it's very simple. You don't actually have to go to all the work of installing an outlet for shore power. An extension cord works just fine. Number nine. Don't level your van. Level your bed. So one of the problems with stealth parking in cities is that streets aren't flat. Streets are swaled so that water when it hits the streets will roll to the sides and go down the drains. That means when you park your van on a lot of streets, your van kind of tilts towards the curb and it can be uncomfortable trying to sleep like that. And a lot of people have talked about, you know, driving up on blocks or getting leveling systems and all that, but here's my idea. Just level your bed. Whatever you use for a bed in your van, make sure that you can level it from side to side. On my van, the bed is actually a piece of furniture that's not attached to anything, so I can easily put stuff under the legs and raise the bed up, and then no matter how crooked my van is, I'm sleeping nice and level. And you might think, but then how do you cook? How do you use the sink and all that stuff? And My answer to that is, you don't. You don't do it there. This is for your sleeping spot, and you want to get the heck out of your sleeping spot as soon as you can, and then go cook and do all that stuff somewhere else. So, very simple, really inexpensive way to get a good night's sleep on uneven ground. And last but not least, number 10. If you're ever in a situation where you're not comfortable sleeping in your van, you think you might be parked in a bad place, put a note on the dashboard that says, this van is broken down, it will be removed in the morning. That's it. That's going to be enough to dissuade Most people from messing with your vans. If the cop comes up and sees that, the cop's going to maybe put a sticker on the side of your van, which is how they mark vans that have been abandoned or broken down. And then just leave in the morning and you're going to be fine. Yeah, you might be in a case where that is not cool with somebody or whatever, but hey, it can't hurt and it's free. And that's a good thing. Okay, tech talk. I talked a lot about beds a few episodes ago and I left out a very important option that works for a lot of people. And that is a hammock. Think about this. If you're in a small van and you're in that situation where you don't have a full-time bed set up and you have to swap between, well, is it dining mode or is it desk mode or is it sleeping mode and all that? What if you just had a hammock? This is how this would work. You hang the hammock from one corner of the van and then it will stretch all the way through the whole van and then go to the other corner. And that's it. You sleep in the hammock. Now, there are places in the van where it's easy to hang a hammock. Where the seatbelt is attached to the side of the van, that is one of the strongest things in the whole van. You could very carefully attach your hammock there. Also, where the back doors latch... That's also very strong. And you could also put in your own hook, but you would have to know what you were doing there. Uh, You might need to be very careful about how you mounted that. You'd need a spreader plate behind it or something like that to make sure it was strong enough. Because if it's not, you're going to fall and break your butt not so cool. Now sleeping in a hammock is not for everybody. So don't do this until you've actually tried it. Some people find them restricting. Some people find them an odd angle. The newer ones are actually pretty cool. You don't sleep in them straight. You kind of sleep in them at a slant and there's a lot more space, but Hey, it's just another option. And they're so small that it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring a hammock with you anyway, just to hang out on outside or maybe to sleep on outside on some really nice night. So, hammocks an option, consider it. Tales from the road. Okay, it's back. We're having a tales from the road this time. All right. This tale from the road took place in 2008. I believe it was about September, so you know, nearly 12 years ago now. I was with a friend and we were going to a conference in at uh, Penn state. Actually, it was at Penn state. Now I remember and coming back, I looked at the map and I realized that we were going to go near centralia now centralia, Pennsylvania is a fairly famous place. And if you've ever played the video games or seen the movie silent hill, you will be interested to know that that is based on a real place centralia, Pennsylvania, which as the name might suggest is in the middle of Pennsylvania. Well, way back in the fifties, they were burning trash in a dump, which is what they did in the fifties, just to kind of reduce the size of the stuff in the dump. And there was a coal seam that was exposed in the dump and that coal seam caught fire and that fire went underground and eh, people didn't pay much attention to it. I mean, there's coal everywhere. It's not like they were worried about the coal and you know, it's in the dump. So who cares? Well, years go by. A lot of years, and strange stuff starts happening in the town. For example, a kid was playing in the backyard with his cousin, and then, poof, he's gone. Because he fell through a hole about 20 feet deep, and smoke started coming out of the hole. He was rescued. But then people started noticing that their basement floors were hot. And then the ground started cracking and doing odd things. And over years, people realized that that coal fire was under the town, And it basically, the entire town was on fire underground. They knew things were serious when the highway that went through the town actually buckled and cracked and smoke and steam started coming out of it. And it smells like sulfur. The reason I know it smells like sulfur is because I went there. (laughs) Now, at the time I had a Land Rover and I was feeling kind of cocky. So we drove the Land Rover down the burning highway. Now it had been blocked off on either end with these dirt berms, but I had a Land Rover. There's no dirt berm that's going to stop my Land Rover, so yes. Nothing happened. It was fine. And when we say burning highway, the image you have in your mind of, like, a highway with flames coming out of it wasn't actually how it was when we were there. There were cracks in the highway, and there was smoke coming out, but it was fine. It was also incredibly stupid, because if you remember that kid that fell in that hole in the backyard... He thought the backyard was just the backyard. He didn't know there was a big hole under it. And while we didn't fall in, there's no reason why. We just were lucky. Centralia, the town, has been completely moved out. I don't know if there are any residents there. There were a couple of holdouts, but basically this whole town of about 10,000 people was evacuated. Uh, The state bought them out and everyone's property was lost. And I just heard recently that they're going to finally get rid of the highway. They're going to bulldoze it so that it doesn't attract people doing stupid things like me. But if you ever want to have the Centralia experience, you can always throw on a copy of Silent Hill. Because burning cities are a thing. And yes, the coal fire is still burning. Okay, a product review. There's a little thing I picked up that was super handy in my build, and I I think it might be for you too. And it's called a Stepped Drill Bit stepped so you know what a drill bit is and there's maybe a few different kinds you would use in your van you've got the normal kind of drill bit that just is a it's a bit it's a drill bit I don't know it looks like a drill bit and it goes through wood and metal or whatever and then you've got a hole saw which is kind of shaped like a serrated cup maybe a serrated shot glass and that goes on the end of your drill and it makes holes this is something different this thing looks like a Devo hat which is officially known as an energy dome. Imagine a little tiny Devo hat with a slice in it, and it's really sharp. And what this drill bit does is it makes holes of different sizes. So if you push it in a little bit, you'll get a hole of say half an inch, and then push it in a bit more, you'll get a three quarter inch hole, and then a bit more, and you get a one inch hole and so on. It's great for sheet metal. If you are making a hole and it's a little too small, this thing will make it a little bigger and it's very easy to control. Unlike trying to make a hole wider with a too small drill bit, that that doesn't work very well. I'll have a link in the show notes if you're not quite grasping what I'm talking about, but these stepped drill bits A cheap one is about 10 bucks, but boy, there are definitely times it's come in handy. And if you don't need a precise hole, this can be the same drill bit you use for all kinds of things. It's especially good for plastic, like if you need to make a hole to put a switch in, I find this thing works really, really well. It's not for very precise holes. It's for when you just need a hole and you don't really care all that much about the size of the hole. So, stepped drill bit. I will have a link in the show notes. Here's a place to visit that you may not believe me when I tell you what it is, but I promise you it's real and I've been there myself. There is a pyramid in the United States that is a thousand years old. And it's the largest pyramid in the It's the largest pyramid in the Western Hemisphere north of Mexico. It's huge. And it's basically in St. Louis. It's very near St. Louis. It's technically in Illinois. It's called Cahokia. And it's in the Cahokia Mounds State Historic Site. People live there from about ten fifty to thirteen fifty. And it's directly across from the Mississippi River. And if if you're standing on it, you can actually see St. Louis from the top. It's an amazing place. More people lived here than lived in London during the same time. This was a major hub for the people that lived in North America. And I can't tell you what to call them because we don't know what they were called. They predate any Indian tribe or native American tribe or first people's tribe or whatever word you choose. They predate any of them. They're called, by archaeologists the pre-Mississippian culture because they even predate the Mississippian culture who we also don't have a name for. The idea is that these were mounds built to kind of deal with flooding because the Mississippi River flooded all the time back then and these villages would lose everything. But there was a reason to be near the river not only because the river could be used for travel and for fishing and things like that, but because those floods brought in such rich sediment that it was a great area for farming. So they've done all kinds of archaeology here. They found graves and game pieces and actually whole games, all kinds of things. And there's a little museum that shows the artifacts. And they've even got a whole other section that's called Woodhenge, which is basically what it sounds like. It was Stonehenge, but made out of wood. Anyway, I don't want to tell you too much about it. If you're not intrigued by the idea of this massive pyramid in the Midwest, then I'm not going to interest you with any of the other details. But if you're ever driving around the St. Louis area on uh, Interstate 55 is, is typically the road you would use there. Cahokia Mound State Historic Site is well worth a visit and you can hike to the top of the tallest mound and learn the history and you will learn why St. Louis used to be called Mound City. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening to episode 38. I really appreciate it. Music, as always, was by Simon Wagg. And a little bit of a reminder there is that episode interviewing Simon Wagg about his music that will be available immediately after this episode in the feed. And also, keep an eye out for links about the upcoming trip that I'm going to take that you're going to help me with. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And remember if you can't sleep at night, it's because you're awake in someone else's dream, Japanese legend.